Let's join our hearts in prayer. God, come and amaze us this morning. Amaze us with the grace and the mercy that come only from you. Amaze us by what great things you have for us, both in eternity, but also already in time. Guide us in your grace, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to look at Romans chapter 9. We're making our way through this uh, book this summer, especially verse 8. Let me read that to you again. It says, This means that it's not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. How do you like the sermon title this morning? Are you a good Christian? You must be. It's July 30 and you're in church, right? <laughs> you must be a good Christian. You're, you're here in church in the middle of the summer. Are you a good Christian? Do you use that phrase, that statement? She's a good Christian. They're a good Christian couple. He's a good Christian. I suppose I've used it. A good Christian. What does that even mean? What, what does it mean to be a good Christian? What makes for a good Christian? Say, well, born and raised that way. That'd be a good Christian. Uh, my parents were Christians. My brother and sister are Christians. I am a Christian. I must be a good Christian. I was raised in a good Christian family. What makes for a good Christian? I go to church in the middle of the summer. I'm a good Christian. I, I read my Bible. I say my prayers. Boy, he must be a good Christian. Look how generous he is with his offerings. What makes for a good Christian? Yeah, she's a good Christian. She's always helping out at the rescue mission. What makes for a good Christian? This is an important question for us because th there's a sense in which Paul is writing in Romans chapter 9, not so much to good Christians as it is to good Jews, people who would have been, like you and me, good religious folk. The Jews would have been people who would go to synagogue, they'd go to temple, they'd bring their tithes and their offerings. But Paul wanted to impress upon them that there's something more than being good. Uh, in, our, in our lesson today, we, we really could have, Paul really could have gone right from Romans chapter 8 to Romans chapter 12. We're looking at Romans 9. He could have skipped 9, 10, and 11, gone straight from Romans 8 to Romans 12. Uh, the first eight chapters of Romans, we've been looking at that, and, and it's just this wonderful uh, exposition of the grace of God. He has written about how all, Jews and Gentiles, are sinners in need of a Savior. He said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He said, the wages of sin is death, but then he went on to say that the, that the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He'd explained about how Jesus was the one promised to rescue us. And it we're saved not by works, but by grace. He was just hammering that. We're saved not by works, but by grace. He said, this is how Abraham got saved. Remember, we looked at Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He had explained about how through, uh, through Adam, death came into the world. But now through Jesus, life has come into the world. We had looked about uh, in Romans chapter 6 about how now we are heirs of the kingdom. 
And then we had Romans chapter 8, you know, just soaring language. Romans chapter 8 where Paul said, I do not consider the sufferings of this world worth comparing to the glories that will be revealed in us. Amazing kind of vision of heaven. And he said, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Pastor Sutton preached on this last week. He said, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depths, nor anything else in all creation. And Pastor Sutton said you could put anything else in there. You know, that there isn't anything that's going to be able to separate us from the love of Christ in Christ Jesus our Lord. Just this beautiful exposition of the gospel. And he could have gone right from that into Romans chapter 12, which begins applications, where he says, therefore, because of these mercies of God, therefore, and he teases out how we might live our lives. But instead, he gives us Romans 9, 10, and 11. Here's what Paul is doing for us in Romans 9, 10, and 11. He's addressing the Jews who were good religious folk. They were his kinsmen. These were the people he loved. And what he wanted to, them to see, and what it is that you and I need to see, is that what makes for a good Christian, what makes for a good child of God, it's not our background. It's not, well, I was born this way. You know, I was born into the church, or I was born to Abraham. And it's not because of our behavior. I go to church, I give my offering, I go to temple, I go to synagogue. It's not our background. It's not our behavior. Uh, Paul wrote this. He said, because they had it all. He said, they are Israelites. This is Romans 9 verse 4. They are Israelites and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs and from their race according to the flesh is the Christ who is God over all. Just kind of look at that. It's one of the places in Scripture where it identifies Jesus as God, uh, is the Christ who is God over all forever blessed. Amen. Paul was saying that if you want to talk about background, if you want to talk about behavior, these people are in. But that's not how the kingdom comes. Uh, God's kingdom doesn't come by ourselves that's what Paul said later on. He said, so then it depends not on the human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. I, I want you to see today that being a good Christian is a bad goal. How do you like that? You can go home and say, Pastor said, I don't have to be a good Christian anymore. <laughs> you know, they, they talk about a good goal as being specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. Being a good Christian might be a couple of those things, but it sure isn't all of those things. It isn't attainable. It isn't realistic. Paul has already said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, John writes later, he said, uh, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. Being a good Christian is a bad goal. If you strive to be a good Christian, you're going to run into one of two problems. Uh, one, you may run into discouragement. The harder I try, the behinder I get. <laughs> Isn't that what Paul said in Romans chapter 7? He said, the good things I want to do, I don't do, and the evil things I don't want. I find myself doing those things. If we try to be a good Christian, we're going to become discouraged. Or worse, we're going to become self-righteous because we'll think we've made it. Look at it. I'm in church on July 30. You know, we can become self-righteous. Have you ever heard this? 
The only thing harder to cure than unrighteousness is self-righteousness. Paul is calling the Jews whom he loved. He said, I'd go to hell for these people. He was calling the Jews to the grace that God had. And, and what he's doing in our text in Romans chapter 9 is kind of giving another run at it. He'd spent uh, Romans 1 to 8 talking about grace instead of works. And now he's going at this still another way where he's going to speak about how we are children of God through the promise, not because of the flesh. Paul has something better for us than good. He has the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is better than good. Uh, he wrote this. This is Romans chapter 9. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. Not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it's not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. Paul wanted to rescue those good religious folk, his, his family, away from themselves and taking solace in their background and in their behavior. He said it's not by the flesh, but by the promise that you're saved. What was the promise that God gave to Abraham? God promised to Abraham the land, that they would have this land forever, the promised land. God promised to Abraham that uh, his descendants would be like the stars in the sky and like the grains of sand on the seashore. God promised to Abraham these great promises. And, and the thing about Abraham wasn't anything he had done, but that he simply believed what God promised. God says, that's how it happens. I promise, and as you believe, you have what I promised. Uh, isn't that how Abraham got it? Remember, we saw Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Paul is trying to point the Jews to the same thing that, that Abraham had trusted in, and that was to believe the promise. He goes even further. He says, For this is what the promise said. About this time next year I will return, and Sarah shall have a son. It wasn't just about a promise that God gave to Abraham. It was a promised one that God gave to Abraham, Jesus. A God had promised to Abraham that one of his descendants would be a blessing to the whole world. That promise got passed on to Isaac. It got given to Isaac and not Ishmael. Ishmael was a child of Abraham by blood, but it wasn't about the promise. And it went from Isaac to Jacob. Jacob now had the promise. Not that Jacob was any better. He was a conniver. And Esau was still connected to uh, God. He was still connected to Isaac. God made of, of, of uh, Esau a great nation, Edom. I mean, it says, Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. And we import this emotion, hate. Uh, the, the picture here is more about choosing. This one I chose, that one I didn't choose. The whole point of this was that Paul was pointing the people of Israel, the Jews, to Jesus that he was the one, that he was the descendant in whom the people of Israel, Jew and Gentile, would be blessed. Here's what I want you to see this morning. I want you to see that you don't have to be a good Christian anymore. I want to encourage you instead to be a good news Christian. That you view yourself as someone who's under God's promise. Uh, under the promise of God. 
Think about what God has promised you. He has promised you a glory the likes of which the sufferings of this world can't begin to compare. God has promised you that you're going to see him face to face. God has promised you that he's going to work all things together for your good. Yeah, you still see through a glass darkly, but one day you're going to see face to face. I want you to see yourself as as a good news Christian. You're under the promise of God. Second, you're under the promise of God. Not only do we have the kingdom of heaven, we have the king from heaven, Jesus. He's the promised one. You know, if you think about it, we do trust in flesh for our salvation. It's just not our own flesh. We trust in the flesh of Jesus. He had the right background. He had the right heritage. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, David. Jesus had the right lineage. He was the one. His flesh is the flesh we are to hope in. And it's in his flesh, his works. The Bible says he was like us in every way except one. He was without sin. And so we do trust in flesh. We trust in his flesh. We trust in his flesh. Hands and feet pierced forehead scarred by the throne uh, crown of thorns we do trust in the flesh we trust in the flesh of the promised Lord. i want you to think of yourself as being under the promise of god under the promised of god jesus and under the promises of god this is why we live like we live we don't live to be good christians We live a certain way because we have promises. This is why we go to church all the time. We go to church all the time, not to be a good Christian, but because we have a promise. Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. That's why I'm coming to church. I'm going to go see Jesus. I'm going to be with Jesus. This is why we pray. Not because it's the good Christian thing to do, but because we have promises. Ask, it'll be given you. Seek, you'll find. Knock, the door will be open. Call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. This is why we read the Bible. Because we have promises. Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It's they that testify about me. He said, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. You'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. We read the Bible not to be good, but because there are promises. My my word won't return to me void. This, This is why we bring our tithes. This is why we bring our offerings. Not to be good Christians, but because we have promises from God. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and see if I don't open up my my storage house to you. We have promises. That's why we're generous. So so don't store up your treasures on earth. Moth and rust destroy thieves breaking into you. But store up your treasures in heaven. That's why we bring them forward. Where moth and rust don't destroy and where thieves can't break into you. This is why. We love other people and care for one another. Not because it's the good thing to do, but because we have promises. We studied this in a Bible study earlier in the week uh, where, where Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of these, my brothers, you do it to me. As you go out into the world this week, I don't want you to go out worried about whether or not you're a good Christian. Rather, I want you to be set free to be a good news Christian that you're under all of these great promises of God. Because it doesn't matter what our background is. It doesn't matter what we've done behavior-wise. It didn't matter for those people. It doesn't matter for us. What makes the difference is that we're under and we trust and we believe the promises of God. 
It's about being a good news Christian, not a good Christian. Maybe a well-off Christian. Think of yourself that way. I am well-off because I have the promises of God. Here's Deuteronomy chapter 7. Keep in mind, let's keep this in mind, keep in mind that the Lord, Yahweh your God, is the only God, and He is a faithful God who keeps His promise. Amen.